0: We're so used to saying that kids are Jewish because of what they do at home or what they do at the synagogue or what their parents do. And it's things that they can't always control. Part of what I think makes Jewish summer camp so powerful is that it's a place where kids actually can control their Jewish life.
1: From the recording studios of Reconstructing Judaism, this is Trending Jewish with Brian Schwartzman
2: and Rachel Burgess.
1: Welcome to our camp episode. Can you hear it? Where We're here, lakeside or poolside, stream ambient audio. No, just kidding. We're in the <laughs> recording studio. That's how I opened it.
2: So before we talk to our next guest, we want to encourage you to subscribe
1: you beg you <laughs> plead
2: <laughs> plead with you beg um to definitely subscribe to us we are on itunes we're on spotify it's
1: podcast addict does anyone still use that
2: Or are some people that have like the like apple podcasts and then there are monsters that's kind of like where i am
1: <laughs> leave, leave us uh, a five-star review one on itunes it'll help us a lot and we'll give you something what will we what will we give you we'll uh, give
2: you a good shout out and i
1: think that deserves a shout out yeah we that. definitely
2: will give you a shout out here on our show and our gratefulness and our love and respect
1: if that doesn't work we'll come up with something else right for, for the next time <laughs> Um, all right. This is a fun episode where we're looking forward to the summer to talk about Jewish camp. And you said you never went to Jewish camp. Yeah, yet- so
2: um if anybody so my personal experience, because I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Arizona, the closest federation we had to us was seventy miles away. So I am sure there are plenty of great summer camps out in Arizona, but I did not hear about any of them.
1: Yeah, I also Basically didn't really have a Jewish camp experience for for a summer or two uh, day camp. Um,
2: so I'm actually kind of curious as I'm interrupting you, as is per our usual, um, because... Why I think is today
1: <laughs> different from all other days?
2: <laughs> so... One of the things that I think is really interesting is your perspective because now you are a parent of two young children and that's got to be something that you must think about is how are your kids going to get involved in, like, stay connected to Judaism in the long term throughout their lives?
1: Thoughts have occurred to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and there's a lot. There's a lot to – there's a lot to balance. I mean, I mean, I can say I'm a, I'm a Jewish professional. I've read the studies I've, I've been to camp. I mean, this summer, we're not, we're not sending our kids to a Jewish camp. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe next summer, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of forces have to have to line up, which I think is, you know, relates to some of the challenges Jewish, Jewish camps have to face, uh, in, you know, in, in attracting in attracting people. All right, so folks want to want to get to the, the the reason we're here, right?
2: If we haven't kept you in suspense long enough about Jewish summer camps, we are happy to introduce you to the executive director of the Havaya summer programs, Rabbi Isaac Sapoznik, who is the overall executive director of both. Uh, camp Havaya in the Poconos in northeast Pennsylvania and also our newest camp which is Havaya Arts out in California in the Redlands and we're excited to have you here thank you so much for joining us Rabbi Isaac Sapoznik.
0: my pleasure I'm happy to be here
2: and taking a little bit of a break from recruiting for camp and getting us ready for the summer.
0: Just for a moment. <laughs> Just and then for... and then back on the road.
2: <laughs> so um, knowing a little bit about your background, it seemed like it wasn't a surprise to, I guess, you or anybody that you would end up working in Jewish camp. So what is your camp story? How did you get here?
0: So my parents sent me to summer camp for the first time when I was going into fourth grade to an Amish-style farm in Ohio. It was a it was Monday morning through Friday afternoon, and it was everything you'd imagine from a farm. We'd milk the goats in the morning, and the field trip was to the livestock auction. I mean, this was like a serious farm experience. And going into sixth grade, uh, they sent me with a friend to Jewish summer camp for the first time. And it ended up that, that we were in a large camp and the friend was in one spot in camp and I was in a different spot. I went really knowing nobody. And that for me was it. It just sort of changed my life in that way. It was the place where I uh, found that I could be most myself and comfortable and where I had sort of the closest friends I had any place else in life. And I tell people I started going and in- I started going to Jewish summer camp going into sixth grade and I haven't stopped. So was a camper for years and a counselor and a unit head at that camp. And then after college, worked there year round for a couple of years. And when I came to rabbinical school at RRC, I said out loud, I really would love to be a camp director when I come out of here. And I uh, had no expectation that it would happen quite that easily or that it would happen Really, right when I graduated. And I had the great good fortune during my time at RRC to work for what was then called Camp JRF and for Rabbi Jeff Eisenstadt, who was our founding director, and to work closely with him as camp was building and growing over the early years. And when I graduated, he was looking to step back from the day-to-day, and I was looking to step more into the day-to-day and uh stepped into what is really my dream job. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of anything better than getting to spend my summer helping kids have the same amazing experiences that I had when I was a kid. And also uh spending my time creating this welcoming, inclusive, celebratory. Engaging Jewish community that I think is really what uh, what we're all about and how how long ago did this happen that
1: you graduated that you started camp i'm I'm uh, time so frame
0: so Camp Havaya started in two thousand and two. Uh, I started working there just after the first summer and then graduated from RRC in 2008. And I like to say I graduated on a Sunday afternoon and Monday morning I was giving a Dvar Torah as the camp director. (laughs) Uh, I I recommend a little more time in between. (laughs) Uh, But so I've been, been the director and now executive director for 12, 13 years.
2: And you were actually sought out by uh, several different camps, it sounded like. And what made you want to come to um, Camp JRF at the time, now Camp Havaya, And it it was a very, very new camp. And it's actually, in relative to other camps, it's actually still fairly young. And you've also just started a second camp out in California, which is also very young. So um, why go to i guess a smaller newer camp rather than going to something that's already established.
0: It's a great question for for me a lot of that had to do with coming to RRC. I grew up in a reconstructionist congregation and when I was applying to rabbinical school had uh the opportunity to look in a variety of places and stepped into RRC and said, "Oh, this is home for me." It was just really clear that it was the place where I wanted to spend the next six years, really learning and engaging and grappling. And I, I remember really clearly the day that this happened was sitting in the office where I was working in Chicago in March or April before I was starting and got this phone and the phone rang and I said, hello. And it was someone who said, would you be interested as you're starting rabbinical school also in working with this camp that's just starting and I sort of jumped out of my chair and said yes I mean this this the camp where I grew up is an amazing camp and I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world uh, both for the experience and for the friendships that I continue to have from it and at the same time I often say this is the camp where I would have wanted to go as a kid uh, and now that we have Hawaii arts that's also the camp I would have wanted to go to as a kid that I didn't as a kid even imagine could exist. And so it's uh I for me being able to be at something from the beginning and to be part of building it and creating a culture that is both about the kids experience and about the organizational culture was really an exciting opportunity that I didn't see any place else.
1: I mean I know at Hawaii you've got uh you've got a zip line over over a lake. Do you have um do you have a favorite uh, activity at, at, at either of the camps you run or?
0: Uh, you know, I think that for me, my personally, my favorite moment at camp is there are moments where the whole community is singing together and there's just uh, sort of a moment where everything just kind of lifts up. And and I, it's, you know, it's that moment where all the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you go, oh, there's something else going on. here, something bigger. And That happens for me with some frequency when we're in the Poconos. And last summer when I was at Habaya Arts for the first time, uh, there were moments there even with a small group of kids who were just creating the community for the first time where they would sing or be together in a way that you could just feel the sense of community. And for me, all of the fun stuff that the kids love is part of what makes the camp experience so amazing for them. And what... I know and what we hope is that these other moments will stick with them in ways that they can't necessarily name or explain, but will be with them far longer than the experience of the zip line, which is awesome, but it's something you do versus something that you really feel. And that feeling is so central to what we're really trying to do.
1: I think this is un, this is unscripted, but but yeah. um, it's, it's- I'm okay with unscripted. It's, 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 I think it's central- like you're, you're really in the business of not molding identities but helping, helping people figure out who they are and, and hopefully taking, you know, taking some value and wisdom from, from Jewish tradition uh, with, with that. And I think there's, there's an increasing realization that, that camp is doing that better than – and all camps are doing that better than most institutions um, I have a bunch of questions related to that but I guess the first is just how does that how does that how does that work how does you know two weeks a month eight weeks away from home how does that how does that shape someone or really make make a difference in their life or or feel like they're finding a part of themselves that they never found before
0: so i I think that's the like you said I think that's the crux of what we do and there's a couple of responses. Uh, So one of them is there are camps that want kids to know certain things when they come out. And I often say for us, I want kids to know things certainly, but what I really want is for them to be deeply in love with being Jewish. Because I feel like if they love being Jewish and they love being part of the community, the rest will come. But just because you have knowledge doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to build that same feeling and that same connection. And so part of what I often say when I'm thinking about camp and I'm thinking about Jewish life is that I want kids to pull themselves up to the table of Judaism. So we're so used to saying that kids are Jewish because of what they do at home or what they do at the synagogue or what their parents do. And it's things that they can't always control. And part of what I think makes Jewish summer camp so powerful is that it's a place where kids actually can control their Jewish life. Sure, we tell them now is time for services or now is time that we're going to learn something or here's the music that we're going to sing or here's what this building is going to be called in Hebrew. We do all of that to set the atmosphere and to set the experience. But... If you're a kid and you want to get really into services, you can do it. And it's a, and it's built around you. And if you're a kid who doesn't get into services, but we offer yoga one morning a week instead and you say, "Wait a second, why yoga?" and the response is because that's also a spiritual practice for a lot of people. And how can we help you think about that in a Jewish setting? We're we're giving kids the the skills isn't quite the right word, but we're giving kids the the experiences that they can take home with them and figure out how they want to be Jewish and how they want to live their Jewish lives. And that's, I think, what makes it stick. Uh, that There's all this research from a handful of years ago. Uh, the Foundation for Jewish Camp uh, had a study done that they called Camp Works. And the research came back that kids who go to Jewish summer camp are significantly more likely than their peers to Fill in the blank, and that fill in the blank was things like light Shabbat candles belong to a synagogue, give philanthropically to the Jewish Federation, feel deeply connected to Israel, and there were a couple of other things, and the research talked about that 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 kids who went to Jewish summer camp were significantly more likely to do those things than their peers who didn't go to camp, and that camp was more impactful on those kinds of things than youth group or day school. Or Israel trips, all of which are also important. But it was camp that really was the was sort of the linchpin in what w- was going to, to some extent, guarantee Jewish commitment and connection later in life, and. I both love that study (laughs) and I'm challenged by it because I'm not sure that what it measures is any longer what we would measure as Jewish commitment. So we have lots of kids and lots of families who care deeply about being Jewish but may not light Shabbat candles or may struggle with Israel, or may not belong to a congregation because of where they are in their life or in the world. And so how do we make sure that their commitment to Judaism is deep and meaningful and personal, even if it doesn't look how we as a Jewish community always thought it had to? And so that's, I think, what we're really trying to push our kids to do is to figure out what is the Meaning that they find in Judaism, because that's what's going to last far longer than us saying you have to know or do these particular things.
2: How do you foster that? Where you have um, you, you have two camps, and and you get more than three hundred campers a summer, and these are very personal, we're, unique clo- experiences. We're close
0: to five hundred. Oh
2: now. my gosh! Okay, I'm sorry, my numbers that's are totally
0: off. Totally <laughs> fine. I'm happy to be able to say that.
2: So how do you make all of those – how do you foster all of these very personal, individual experiences with so many campers from so many different areas and experiences and family situations?
0: I I think that part of the building the experience is about creating opportunities for kids to make their own meaning. So – One of my favorite educational programs from over the years at Camp Havaya was – and I tell parents about this frequently when they're asking about educational programming. I talk about making pizza. as a conversation around community. So if you're in a cabin of 10 kids and you have to make a pizza together and somebody in your cabin loves olives and somebody in your cabin hates olives, how do you make that pizza? So you could make a pizza with no olives because you if somebody really doesn't want them, then you have to keep them off. Or you could make a pizza where every kid has a, their own slice and it has olives on one slice but not on the next slice. Both of those are conversations about community and about values and about living together. And I often say that kids walk out of that thinking, oh, look, I made pizza. wasn't that fun. But there's something deeper that's getting in there, and we're not telling them what that deeper is. We're not sitting down and say, here's the value of community, and here's how we explain it, and here's what it means to you. We're saying, let's talk about community. Let's think about what's important to you. And they get to make that meaning for themselves. I saw it happen last summer at Havaya Arts. I should step back and say part of what makes Hawaii Arts so special is that it's one of these specialty camps that's about – kids who wouldn't necessarily otherwise look for a Jewish camp, but in our case really want to spend time deeply engaged in some art form, visual art or theater or music or dance. And if they can do that in a setting that's Jewish, how much better? And I walked into the visual art studio last summer and said to a group of kids, so tell me what you're working on. And they could show me the canvas that they were painting on and what they were doing and As they were showing me that, they really off the cuff, without any prep from their teaching artist or from our camp director or from their counselors, said, well, this is based on this text in Genesis and here's what it means and here's what I learned about it. And they did it in a way that wasn't pedantic. It wasn't about saying, well, now I have to tell the rabbi the Jewish thing because this is what he wants to hear. They said that at the same moment that they said and after we started our teaching artist always changes something up on us and he took us outside and made us do something totally different it was just part of the experience for them and so that i think is really how we aim to do most of what we do that we want to give kids the ground from which to have the experience and sure there are there are parts of it that we frame in a very particular way because we share reconstructionist values and we share a view of the world that uh we want we want our kids to be thinking in a particular paradigm but we also recognize that not every kid and not every family has exactly that same paradigm so how do we give them the space to do that i think it was around parkland just over a year ago when we were talking about how to reach out to families and what to talk about. And somebody said to me, well, why aren't you just coming out whole, you know, wholesale against guns? And I said, because that's not actually our job. Our job is to give parents and to give kids the resources to talk about challenging issues and to think about challenging issues. But our job is not to give them the answer. And so while I have a view and I have an expectation and I have an experience and I have a certain set of values that I think are shared by many in our community, there certainly are pieces that are not shared in quite the same way. And if I'm giving the answer, then I'm not really doing my job. And so – That was a different way for people to think. They said, well, no, but this is what camp should be saying. And I said, no, camp's job is to be setting kids up to say what's important to them, not to say, oh, this is what's important to my camp. What's important to their camp is that they learn to think for themselves and to ask challenging questions and to be civically engaged in ways that are meaningful to them and will last them far beyond two weeks or four weeks or seven weeks over the summer.
1: So since you dipped into Havaia Arts and yeah. Specialty Camps, I I'll I'll follow up and ask, can you can you talk a little bit about some of the trends you're seeing in either camping today or Jewish camping today and how your your two camps are are adjusting to that?
0: Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of pieces. So in terms of the specialty camps piece, the Foundation for Jewish Camp a number of years ago, began a really deep relationship with the Jim Joseph Foundation and the Abichai Foundation on their specialty camps incubator and began opening camps that were specialty-focused. So there are farm-to-table camps and there are sports camps and there are science and technology camps. And now there's arts camps, which there had never been before. And the idea there was how do we reach kids who – aren't looking necessarily for the Jewish camp experience writ large. They're not looking for a traditional camp. They're not looking to spend four weeks necessarily in the mountains on the zip line and swimming and sports and arts and Jewish experience, but they want much more specialized experiences with high level staff and uh, really the ability to dive in. And so When we started looking at opportunities to open a second camp and the foundation was beginning their third round of the specialty camps incubator, we had this great opportunity to say, if we were going to open a specialty camp, what would it look like? And it was really clear to us from the get-go that arts was it. Just from the beginning of the Reconstructionist movement, this commitment to the arts and culture was this opportunity for kids to really dive in and what we're finding are that the kids who are coming are in fact kids who either have had the quote traditional camp experience and said "Eh, that's not quite for me or kids who have never thought about Jewish camp but see this opportunity to work with a professional dancer or to work with uh, an amazing visual artist or to work with a theater specialist who's run a run theater programs or a musician who's working gigs in Los Angeles like they they want that experience to dive in deeper and that's pulling new kids in. So I think that's one one thing that we're seeing in terms of trends in camping and we're seeing that with both new camps that start as well as specialty programs inside traditional camps in certain places. The other thing, the other two trends that I think we're seeing, one is a trend towards shorter sessions. So 25, 30 years ago, and longer than that, especially on the East Coast, parents would send their kids away for eight weeks, would put them on the bus at the, at the beginning of the summer and say, see ya, and the kid would go to camp, have an amazing time, would come home, and that was the expectation, that summer camp was an eight-week experience That's been changing over the last number of years, led in part by the fact, interestingly, that on the West Coast, the camping experience tends to be shorter. And we're seeing that now across the country. So at Camp Havaya, where for years we offered a one- or two-week experience for first-time campers, who were third and fourth grade, we've moved the last number of years to having a two-week session for any camper who's coming for the first time. Could be third or fourth grade or could be a high schooler who hasn't ever been away to summer camp before and wants the experience but isn't quite ready to go for an extended period of time. There are a lot of camps that we know that pushed against this and said, nope, still four weeks, seven weeks, the full experience. And we've said to parents... We believe that full experience is the best experience you can have to come for a full session of three or four weeks. But we would much rather a kid start camp for two weeks or on the rare occasion one week than for them not to start. Because what we know is that once you come in, the likelihood is that you'll want to stay. And so our job then is to make the experience as amazing as possible so that they want to stick with it whether it's to stay longer in that first summer or to come back the following year.
2: That takes a certain level of bravery, too. I think about it as a business point of view. You you know, you have um, that's, you know, potentially less income coming in, less consistent. And um, so that can be kind of scary for a camp to be able to say, listen, shorter sessions is OK if this is what people feel comfortable with.
0: So it's it's worth saying, first of all, that we're, a, as you said before, we're a younger camp that's continuing to grow. So we have the space to play with that experience in some ways in terms of length of time. But we also looked at it and said, if a kid doesn't come to us for two weeks, they're going to go someplace else for two weeks. And if they go someplace else, that's where they're going to stay in all likelihood. So this is a long view for us. Uh, we, I realized this a number of years ago around recruitment, that I used to think that when we were out in congregations or out in camp fairs or out in other places recruiting campers, we were looking for campers for this summer. And we are looking for campers for this summer. But the reality is we're also looking campers, looking for campers for next summer and the summer after and the summer after. We have kids who signed up for camp in the last couple of weeks who we met for the first time four years ago. And are now finally ready for camp. And so for us, that's the same thing with two weeks. If you're ready to try camp, but four weeks is what's getting in your way, and I know that we can provide you a stellar experience in two weeks and that that's part of what's going to help you dive deeper into Jewish community in some way, then I'd be – I'd be foolish not to find an opportunity for that because what we want is kids in the experience.
1: I mean, I don't know if it's if it's part of the reason of the trend behind shorter uh shorter sessions, but clearly the relationship between parents and kids and and um has 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 changed in in the past uh number of decades. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's it's you don't you don't see kids getting uh Getting sent out for the afternoon and told told to be home for dinner, and and the parents have no idea no idea where they are. Right. So, I guess I, I I wanted to, a, kind of get at what the um, what the electronics policy is is at camp because parents are you know hey where are you be home in five minutes you know that kind of thing and yeah and B, you know if you're if you're seeing that. You know changes the campers you get and and the experience they have and how they you know how they you know become their own selves in in an environment where they're mostly cut off from not cut off, but they're not seeing their parents they're not yeah. they're I think not on electronics you could you could clarify
0: but. yeah, we are happy to say we have a no screens policy, so that means no no phones. No iPhones, no iPads, no Game Boys, PSP, none of those things um, because we want kids to be fully present. Now, we know that there are kids who need music to fall asleep or have their – B'nai Mitzvah tutoring on their iPad. And so there's ways that we figure out if kids need something for a particular reason. But big picture, at both of our camps, we say no screens, because what we know is that those screens take away from the ability to build one-on-one connections and to build community. And what we hear from kids as we travel during the year and they talk about what they most love about camp, we hear from a lot of kids that that's actually one of their favorite parts of camp, that once they can really let go of it, They're then they don't miss it now. The minute that they get it back, they go straight back into it. Don't get me (laughs) wrong, but but in that two weeks or three weeks or four weeks in between, they're able to just be present. And what we've realized over the years, to your question about parenting being different, is that we are. We as an organization are there just as much for the parents as we are for the kids. So we tell parents all the time that while in general we don't have parents speak to kids on the phone, that doesn't mean that parents can't call us every day. And they're going to speak to one of our camp directors who knows their child and knows what's going on in camp and has built a relationship with them over the year so that that sense of trust is really there. If you're going to send your kid away for – an extended period of time and you're going to spend the amount of money it costs to go to camp you want to trust the people you're doing that with and so for us it's all about building that trust parents now when they send their kids to camp expect that they're going to see photos posted every day or every couple of days on a secure website they want the opportunity as they can at both of our camps to email their children they want the ability to call camp or email camp and hear what's going on and ask questions and be engaged. And so we work really hard to be in touch with families and parents, again, if not every day, then every other day or every couple of days to say, here's what's going on in camp. And That, I think, allows parents to let go in a different kind of way and to give their child that opportunity to uh, really explore who they are and explore some of these things for themselves. And one of the best pieces of feedback we can ever get from parents at the end of the summer is when they say, my child came back so much more comfortable in their own skin, so uh, so much more at ease with themselves and so much more responsible for the world around them that means that we're doing something right and again that's partially because kids pull each other up it's not because i'm standing there saying oh you have to do xyz or abc it's because kids will say to each other come on let's go do this or oh we have to clean up now or oh this is happening and when they're not with their noses in their phones or trying to think about what their next snapchat's going to be they can really engage in those conversations
2: So thinking about the children feeling more comfortable in their skin, I think one of the things that amazed me the first time, you know, staff from the movement went up to go see camp, um, because you hear a lot of progressive organizations say that we're a welcoming, inclusive community. And when you come to camp, you definitely see that where, you know, every, every camper, every kid imaginable is... You know, at camp, you see everybody. How, I guess, how did camp get to be that way? And how do you keep an eye on um, being sensitive to the different identities of campers?
0: So, I I think we're a we're a movement based camp. So the Reconstructionist movement has said from the outset that it's deeply committed to egalitarianism and to inclusion and to what we often call celebratory community. It's not just saying, oh, welcome, or sure, you're included, but everybody's celebrated for all that they are. So it was truly a no-brainer for us to say our job is to be a place that's welcoming of everybody. I often say that the Jewish community is a very diverse community, but the organized Jewish community doesn't always look that way. Mm -hmm. And part of what we see as our job is to make sure that camp actually looks like the full diversity of the Jewish community, not just what folks might, quote, expect to see when they walk into certain Jewish spaces. And so that means really being upfront about being welcoming of LGBTQ kids and kids from LGBTQ families and kids of color and interfaith families and kids with some special needs and kids from all socioeconomic backgrounds as well. We, and so part of what we really have focused on in, in serious ways over the last five to 10 years is how do we make sure that we're doing each of those things and thinking about each of those different kinds of diversity in a way that is meaningful and thoughtful and as celebratory as possible. There's moments where we do it really, really well and other moments where we say, oh, that was not our best moment. And then we go back and learn from others and ask for advice and try to figure out how it is that we can be even better. I often say we are not the only Jewish camp that has a diverse community of kids. And in fact, it's exciting to see the ways in which other camps are beginning to focus on diversity in a variety of ways. But I will say that we're we're one of the first camps, and still one of a, only, a, I think, a small handful, who focus on diversity and celebratory community in a way that is proactive, not just reactive. Okay. So we'll we'll begin conversations about how do we make sure that we can be fully welcoming of trans campers long before we ever heard from a trans kid, but. What that allowed us to do when we first had the conversation was to say, okay, so now we have questions to ask and things to think about and things to figure out. But there was never a, the conversation was never, if we're going to do this, it's how are we going to do it well? And the same thing if we think about uh, socioeconomic diversity, for example, we know that we have kids from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. It's why we provide a lot of financial aid. And we often say financially it's going to kids who families can barely make ends meet, and it's also going to kids whose parents are both working and have great jobs, but say "Camp's expensive, I can't get all the way there and our job is to say, "Okay, how do we make that possible and so I think for us it's just it is a it's an ongoing it's an ongoing commitment to having a diverse community and an ongoing commitment to learning and to growing and to being willing to say, okay, where do we have more space to build this and to grow this? And are open to that feedback from parents who say, this was awesome, or have you thought about that? So I think that's part of how you get that feeling when you walk in that kids know they can be fully themselves. You know, these, this tagline of be you boldly, for Camp Havaya or BU creatively for Havaya Arts, uh, the BU is the important part there. It's that we want kids to be fully themselves. And that that stems from the moment that they step into camp. And part of what's exciting is that they take responsibility for building that amongst each other so that that it that becomes just part of the ethos and part of the feeling of camp.
1: I mean, you mentioned gender gender identity which you know I, I think as, as you hinted it's one thing to say we're welcoming it's another thing to be proactive or or to think through the practical considerations that that could come up like you know how do we how do we deal with bunks or you know communal bathrooms or things like that I mean how with 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 each kid being so individual how do you how do you think of through those things ahead of time or or do you, or do you just have to you know find solutions on on case by case basis
0: so there's some things that we think about broad broadly so for example we still have boys bunks and girls bunks there's conversation that's beginning in the world now around uh non-gendered bunks and we've decided that for where we are Right now, in terms of being a community based camp with kids from all kinds of families and with all different experiences, that for at this moment in time, what makes the most sense in our community is to have still bunks that are separated by gender. But they're separated by gender. So if you're a kid who comes in and says, I'm a boy, it doesn't matter what body parts you have, that's the cabin you choose to live in. That's great. And for some of kids, they're going to say, so, I want to shower in the bunk. And other kids are going to say, I don't feel comfortable showering in the bunk. I want to shower in the health center. Or a kid will say, I'm okay showering in the bunk, but the bathroom needs to be more private. Or a kid. And so, for us, it is both we've made a conscious effort to create spaces and to renovate spaces as we've been updating our cabins that theoretically would make any camper comfortable. So, I often say, When we've redone bathrooms that used to be a big room that had two sinks and two toilets and two showers, we've now turned into two rooms that I often say looks just like your house bathroom, except that it's not at all like your house because it's summer camp. But it's a room where you can walk in and shut the door and there's a toilet and a sink and a shower all in there in the space where you can really close the door and have true privacy. And while we may have begun that conversation around gender Identity conversations, the reality is I was a kid who would have wanted that as well, so that, that there's kids who want to be more private or there's kids who have body image concerns or there's kids that that the changes that we're making are not, oh, this you know there's nothing on the door that says this was made into this bathroom because of kids of various gender identities. It's for any kid because that's part of how we build things. and so some of it's a value statement writ large. And some of it is an understanding that every kid, like you said, is different. So when people we, – we get calls from other camps pretty frequently asking how we do things around gender identity and especially how we've been welcoming to transgender campers. And they say, can you send us your policy? And I often say no because we don't have a written policy. Our policy, such as it is, is to meet every camper where they are. And so we'll have a conversation with a family and say, what's comfortable for your child and what makes sense? And there may be points where we say along the way, so we don't think that's going to work well in this environment. Let's think it through with you. The last thing we'll do is put a kid in a setting where we don't think that we can make that the best possible experience for a kid. And so we'll be upfront with a family. If we think something isn't going to be successful, we'll say, we don't think that's going to work and we'd rather we'd rather have a difficult conversation with a family in advance of the summer than have a kid come to camp and be in the wrong environment or the wrong setting and so that one-on-one conversation is part of how we've built ourselves over the years and it's part of what we've become known for and it's part of the reason frankly that when our board talks about how big camp will get We've put a cap at a certain number that is not about filling every last bed and then building more beds and growing and growing and growing, but staying at a size where we can know all of our families and they can know us and we can have that relationship where, again, they can call and speak to our camp director on the phone anytime over the summer on either coast means that they know that we're caring for their child as a child And an individual, and as we often say, as their most precious gift that they can give us for the summer. And so that one-on-one is part of how we've built our program and built our reputation.
2: So being conscious of the time, I guess before we wrap up, I'm curious, what can we expect at our Havaya Camp programs this summer as you are actively recruiting and planning? What What can kids expect?
0: Oh, the best summer of their lives. That would be, be my <laughs> shortest answer all day, right? You know, I I think that what what kids can expect at Havaya Arts is this in depth arts experience that weaves Judaism in 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 a way that is seamless and in a way that they're learning from resident teaching artists who are truly experts in their field. And we, we've we heard from kids who were there last summer that they're coming back specifically to spend time with the teaching artists they were with last year. And so that ability for a kid who wants to spend three hours a day dancing is a pretty incredible opportunity that they can't have many other places. And to do it in a place that shares their values and where they can build friends is all the better. At Camp Havaya, they can expect to have the full camp experience. And we're focusing more and more on building up our program. So we've said for years that the reason you come to camp is for community. And that's true, that the community feel and the ability to be fully yourself is truly what's core in each of our camp programs. But what we know more and more is that families, when they're looking for summer camp, are looking for the deep level of program and the high level of teaching and the creativity of the experience. And so we're looking at that and building that on the East Coast as well. And then as our teens get older and they go with us to Israel for four weeks, we're we're continuing to find ways that that trip can give our teens – the experiences that let them make up their minds for themselves so they're going to all the places you'd imagine that you'd go on an israel trip but we're also taking them to more out of the way places and to have more challenging conversations because and we talked about this a bit before our job there is not to say to them here's what you believe about israel when you leave but to challenge what they already believe and to help them make up their own minds for themselves because that will only help them be stronger and more deeply committed Jews as they grow up.
1: All right, so just to put you on the spot just a little bit yes. before before we let you out of the uh the the hot seat so to speak. Um despite all of the efforts and research, I think we're we're still clearly at a point where the majority of Jewish kids in this in this country and the world are not having an overnight Correct. summer experience and, and I've heard talk of well we can if we can't get kids to camp we can find ways to take aspects of the camp experience and bring it to kids in their synagogue or their youth group or wherever else. I mean is that you know is that possible in any way or, or is really you know there's 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 no substitute for camp in your in your view?
0: yes to all of those. So right now, it's a good rabbinic (laughs) answer. Right right now, about 10% of Jewish kids in North America go to Jewish overnight summer camp. That's more than it was 15 years ago, but that leaves an inordinately large number of Jewish kids who are either not going to camp or are going to private camps or are having other experiences. So the 10% who are going to Jewish overnight camp, there's there's so much room for growth there. And so I, I'm a firm believer that you can't take the camp experience and replicate it someplace else. There's no place else where you can be away from your parents In an environment where you are surrounded mostly by your peers, where even if there's adults around who are leading various programs, the people who you see as your sort of closest adults are your counselors who are college age folks, where that idea of peer mentorship and peer leadership, you can have it someplace else, but you have to go someplace for that to happen. During the year, kids have to go somewhere or have to have a moment where they are Jewish and, or where they feel that. So we're having Shabbat dinner or we're going to services, at the synagogue, or I'm going to a youth group event, or we're having people over for Seder for Passover. And kids know that they're Jewish in between, but those are moments where you sort of do something Jewish. And I think camp is the place where you get to just, again, you're not doing Jewish, you're just being Jewish all the time. It's Jewish to go play sports and it's Jewish to do arts and it's Jewish to go swimming and it's Jewish to be singing with your friends. And it's not always in a way that you would say, oh yes, this is why it's Jewish, but it's living in Jewish community like no place else. That isn't to say that there aren't parts of the experience that can't come back and inform what's happening in kids' homes or in congregational life, whether it be the music or it be some of the programming that there certainly are opportunities to give kids the bits and pieces of the magic of camp during the year if they're not at camp but i'll say that there there really isn't in my mind anything that takes the place of showing up for a couple of weeks over the summer in this environment that is totally removed from your quote real life and where you get to be fully yourself and where all of the worry and challenge and angst of the outside world can disappear for a couple of weeks. That's really hard to do in two hours on a Thursday afternoon or in a weekend long retreat. Having the time to really go and have the fully immersive experience is like nothing else.
2: Thank you very, very much for joining us. My pleasure. As you are prepping for camp, like good luck and I hope that five hundred camper plus continues to keep going up as well. And send your kids to camp, everybody.
0: And come visit <laughs> us over the summer. Always happy to see you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. It was Thank a you. great
1: conversation. My pleasure. That was uh that was a great that was a fun episode. So um uh, if you um uh, wanna know more about uh Hawaii summer programs, either on the West Coast, the East Coast, check out org. They have a uh, they have a really fun. They have some really fun videos and and, and photos to check out. Again, we love those. We love those five star reviews. We love the uh, on iTunes. We love the sub- subscriptions on all all uh, platforms. And um, we uh, look forward to seeing you next time. We'll uh, we'll be continuing our our conversations about um, the newest trends in Jewish life.